Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's happening? It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, Carl Dukes. Put them up along with my man Jason Lacanfora. Of course, Baldy is a part of this podcast as well. Brian Baldinger, guys, it was a crazy week in the NFL. And, you know, I think everybody was looking forward, Jason. We were, we talked about it to this Dolphins Eagles game. Um, mm-hmm. Eagles can controlled pretty much every aspect of this game. I mean, the Dolphins made a couple plays, but do the Dolphins, all right, they've beaten some bad teams, but when they play good teams, right, they've struggled. I mean, when they got beat up in Buffalo earlier this year, the Eagles, and I'm not sure what to believe about Buffalo, which we'll get to, but what's your take on this? Because I think the Eagles are showing, again, they are one of the dominant most, you know, uh, one of the best teams in the NFL, and we want to keep buying into the Dolphins, but when they play these better defenses, you kind of wonder, are they a fraud? Are they going to be able to do the things they're sure. doing to these weaker defenses? Well, I think let's start with the Eagles. The problems the Eagles have are first-world problems. Um, the, the Eagles uh, know who they are, right? The Eagles know how to win football games. Yes, they lost to the Jets. Newsflash, nobody's going uh, undefeated uh, probably ever again. Um, they could have very easily beat the Jets. And, the, you know, the, the quarterback's imperfections have uh, manifested themselves to a degree, the likes of which we haven't seen since his rookie year. But some of that stuff is certainly curable. Um, and when the Eagles are in a big spot, you know, like the fact that they let down against the Jets, like that's football, that's human nature, that stuff happens. Uh, this was a big spot for them at home to let everybody know who they are. And I think they told you and they showed you. And then the GM went out and made a fairly significant trade and he's probably not done. So the Eagles are going to be just fine. They play in a crappy NFC uh, and they're probably the best team in the NFC. And they're certainly the best team in their division. Miami, I, I think you come away from this game. At least I did, Carl, kind of wondering where you slot them, right? And sort of the hierarchy of the league. And how much credence do you give to some of the numbers they put on up, right? But but we're still only seven games in. So if you have one or two weeks that are just so astronomically off the charts, it can kind of skew things. Now, the, their offensive touchdown production numbers are nuts. Um and I don't mean to minimize that 
But I think if you dig in on some of the yardage, you know, and how much of the yardage is against bad teams when they're already up by two scores. Yeah. It does give me a little pause, you know, that they've twice faced a team where it was a fair fight. Maybe Dolphins have to go up a smidge in white class. And it has not brought out the best in them. I do think defensively, they're not all the way there yet. And they're still adjusting and they, they may still get a little healthier and, and we'll see offensively. I mean, they scored 70 points and had 720 yards in the game. There's no more to go but down from there. The offensive efficiency can't stay week to week at the level it was in as the weather changes, as they go on the road more. And then certainly in the postseason, nobody scored 70 points a game. So yeah, you know when when they face a, a team that feel that a, a team with a good roster that feels like they can beat up the, the Dolphins a little bit at the point of attack, and they can out physical the Dolphins. Do we have evidence to show that those teams are wrong? We we, we don't. I, I I don't know that we have much of that. Um, I, I I think the Dolphins are a very good team. I think the Dolphins have turned the corners of franchise and they found a head coach who's brought consistency yeah. and stability uh, and a, 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 a spree decor that's been lacking. That building has been toxic forever. You know, you can go back to when Parcells was looming there as a football czar and, you know, you can go back to like, uh, you know, saving for a hot minute, right? Like it's, it's always been, something and you don't hear any of that anymore right you've still got the brian flores lawsuit out there but like that's right so mcdaniel has ushered them into a new era as a franchise they are no longer a second class citizen in the nfl they're no longer lumped in with the browns and the raiders and the you know the commanders slash arskins right as these franchises that you're just like what what are they doing what the f however with that comes greater expectations and the idea that the Dolphins fighting for the third wild card spot and oh they're they're plucky right and they're oh they're feisty and oh they just might get in and wouldn't that be a nice step? That's not no. Now they're going to be measured by like how good are you when the best teams are playing one and done football? And I'm not sure they're there yet. You know, I, I'm not like that should be the expectation. I'm not sure they're going to be able to compete at that level the way that they would hope and their fans would hope. Jalen Hurts threw a couple of more interceptions. He's got more interceptions already this season than he threw the entire year last year. But I'm still not concerned. Like, I, 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 I get that, but it's hard to duplicate these special seasons where quarterbacks are damn near perfect. Yeah. I mean, they started 13-1 and one last year. You know, that, that you're not going to duplicate that. But he did hit A.J. Brown for 10 catches, <clears throat> excuse me, and 137 yards. So you're getting A.J. Brown involved. Remember – early in the season, Jason, when they had that little talk on the yeah. sideline and everybody was wondering what was going on, he's finding A.J. Brown. He's getting his guys involved. And I just think for Eagles fans, you said it, first world problems. You go out and you sign Julio Jones to maybe help you in the red zone, which we didn't see that this game, but who knows as they continue yeah. to develop and you know put him in the game plan, they're going to have options. And I think Jalen's going to be fine. But this idea that, you know, he's going to throw six interceptions every year, that's just not going to happen, man, with as much as they rely on him to make these plays. Well, I think last year, too, in some ways reminded me of Lamar's 2019 MVP season. 
those games were over at halftime, bro. Like, I, I just remember by week four, I'm just like, I am betting the Eagles to cover the first, first half spread, like, until it gets, like, north of eight and a half, right? Until the first half spread looks like a game spread, I'm just yeah. going to keep riding that because they're beating the snot out of everybody. And then, like, some teams are, you know, scoring in garbage time in the fourth quarter. But these games were over at the half. Like, that doesn't usually happen two years in a row. Like, there's usually a regression with that in this league. Like, you can only take them by storm once, you know? Correct. Like, probably not happening two years in a row. That's not to say he's still not a top six, five, whatever quarterback in the league. That's not to say they can't go back to the Super Bowl this year. But the game scripts were going to be different, right? He was going to have to make more high-tension, close-and-late second-half throws this year than he did last year. That's when a lot of those interceptions occur. Yeah, it's a great point. Two of 23 of 32, 216. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about these guys. The bottom line is, you know, they played together at Alabama. They're friends. I don't even think – I saw something. I don't I didn't see them speak before the game. But, you know, at the end of the day, they'll be linked forever with that whole Alabama thing. Yeah. But I think they're, they're NFL friendly, careers. Friendly, Carl. They're friendly. Yeah. I don't know if they're friendly. There you go. That's it. There you go. Friendly. Yeah, that's a good point because uh, I don't think Jalen said he, he spoke with him before the game and he doesn't talk to guys before the game, which is kind of his tradition. Either way, um, I want to see how this goes, right? Jalen got his bag. Tua's trying to get his, which he will, I think. And then I want to see where this goes and how yeah. many chances these guys get in playoff opportunities and whatnot. But Eagles guys reign supreme and and they're 6-1. and one. Chiefs are 6-1. and one. Surprised? No. Because these were the two best teams we thought coming into the season, and they're the two best teams right now, seven weeks into Green the season. Rises. Yes, yes, it does. Jason Lock on four. Let's talk about the Ravens, man. It's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe at in the huddle pod on YouTube. Check us out and make sure you tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh I know you uh you you you're close to that team, you cover that team as well. Uh, I have friends in that organization, and I'll tell you this. I, I said this to Baldy on last Thursday. A lot of the conversation for the Ravens was, we're going to be physical with the Lions. They're not ready for us. There was this whole idea about, like, hey, we're the real deal, and they're not. And then you come out, and you yeah. beat them down, Jason. I mean, this was ugly. Yeah. What would you think? This was over three three possessions in. Yeah, look, I think you're onto something there. I, I think this was the game that could have easily been a letdown game for the Ravens in so much as they played this gauntlet where three of their first five games were against divisional opponents on the road. Then you've got this trip to London where the last time they went to London, everybody remembers it was around the time of the protest in Kaepernick and Trump. They lost 44-7 at Wembley Stadium. You know, the whole sidelines, everybody kneeled. They came back to Baltimore. Fans booed them. I mean, it's disgusting. It's a disgusting moment in Baltimore sports history. And it's 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 a sad moment in their history, the way people responded to these adult men uh, expressing themselves politically protected, you know, First Amendment covered free speech. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, it, you know, that 44-7 at Wembley was like a thing. So you had that, which, which they were, I think, you know, it was pretty easy for the coaching staff to say, hey, we were not going to go over there and have that happen again. And then you come back and you play this NFC team, right, who you never play, and it's your first home game in literally a calendar month. And that could have been a letdown spot. Um, and it wasn't, man. 
it was a letdown spot for the Lions. And I think the, the Ravens used a lot of that, you know, the, the Lions are the new team. The Lions are, you know, fear the Lions. The new hotness. Yeah. And, and yeah, and that feel that that seems even you know, listen to some of the guys in the in the in the locker room afterwards seem to fuel the Ravens a little bit. There's no doubt which team was better prepared to play. I mean, Carl, the first three drives, the Ravens score touchdowns, and the Lions have three and outs with 13 total net yards. Um, the fourth down run by Lamar for a touchdown early, I, I think, set the stage for the whole thing. The Ravens have been two and nine in the red zone the last two weeks. A lot of people who follow them closely said, you got to let Lamar have more attempts to carry the football in the red zone. And he, you know, scores a, a seven yard touchdown on fourth down and a very physical run call. Uh, I mean, the people have been clamoring for some uh, degree of explosiveness out of the Ravens offense. And it had none. They had seven players with a 20 yard play in the game and none of them's named Lamar Jackson that doesn't happen very often you know Gus Edwards had an 80 yard reception and he had a run of 20 yards or more you know Odell Beckham showed up downfield for the first time all year Rashad Bateman caught a few balls uh this was their most complete football game all three phases that they've played in a long time um they got a lot of pressure on golf without having to blitz five more sacks and Aiden Hutchinson and got shut out. Um, he didn't breathe on the quarterback. Um, so yeah, look, I don't again, you could play that game 20 more times. I don't think it ends that way. And and the Ravens clearly uh like the Lions sitting there and playing man almost 40% of the time against the Ravens. I'm just like, yeah, they they clearly don't face these guys very often. Like, <laughs> the, the script today was not 40% man. Uh no. And, and you had guys running free all over the place. And, um, you know, they ran for 100 yards in the first half, and it, it wasn't Lamar in the option game. It, it was um, – they just beat him up. The, the, Jason, real so, quick, the one, yeah. one play – the one play, and everybody's pretty much seen it by now if you watch the highlights, and we know you're all football fans who watch us and check out this podcast. The one play where Lamar's in the pocket and then he he rolls out to escape pressure and they're like he had they're counting down on the clock and he had like ten seconds, but he stayed upfield right. He stayed with his eyes upfield, yeah. his focus, and he throws a touchdown. And, and I just want to say like that play to me exemplifies the old thing that we thought about Lamar when he first came in the league, which was first instinct was it's not there, I'm running. He didn't do that. Yeah. On that particular play, it was, I'm going to escape. I'm going to stay behind the line of scrimmage, and I'm going to keep looking to see who's going to you know, get open. And he makes that play, and I'm just thinking to myself, all the crap I've heard. Listen, the kid's gotten a lot of crap. You've said it. You've talked about it. Oh, But, but, but the crap that I've heard about, oh, he's not a pocket passer, and he's never going to be successful. Like, that play is, like, just watch it and see how he has developed in his – you know, I'm going to stay in this realm right here, and I'm not going to run. He could have easily yeah. ran it. I just – I thought that was yeah. a, a telling moment right there. No, he's being empowered more in the huddle and at the line of scrimmage than ever before uh, this. They, Todd Munkin has given him ownership of this to a degree that Greg Roman never did. Um, mm. His ability to, to audible, check, get in and out of stuff, make adjustments on the fly, there's a whole lot more than that. They're playing with a greater pace 
than they ever did under the old offense. Um, and yes, he has come to embrace the horizontal passing game and the screens and the high percentage pass can be my friend. Um, yes. It's going to keep us moving the football. It's going to keep me from getting hit as much. He's getting the ball out faster than ever before because he's learned to embrace that. And Lamar, you know, if you were going to pick him apart four years ago, you'd look at his heat map and say, man, all the red stuff is between the hash marks, about 15 to 20 downfield, and it's usually Mark Andrews or Hayden Hurst. It's one of the two tight ends, and that's where the ball's going, right? That's where the completions are. He's he's completing way more passes outside the hash marks than ever before. And if they could catch the damn ball, like in the Pittsburgh game where they drop three touchdown Five. passes yes. and, and at least three, three go routes down the sideline where the ball placement was perfect or close to perfect, the numbers would look even better and the heat chart would be even more indicative of how well he's played. Um, his timing, his ability now, to, they're, they're implementing more RPOs um, and he's doing some things, you know, when he is outside the pocket to where, yeah, he's running up to the line of scrimmage, he's holding the ball, he's buying time, and then he's slitting your throat with a pass <laughs> rather than him trying to beat four people with the ball in his hand. He's completing 71% of his passes, Carl. It was 661 in his MVP season. He's over eight yards in attempt, despite it being kind of pop gun for most of the year. That's above his MVP season. And he threw the ball 401 times in his MVP season. He's on pace for 486. So more is being asked of him. There's more volume in the pass game than ever before. Um, it's not the greatest group of pass catchers in the history of the world. If it were, his numbers would look even better, and there would be more MVP chatter about him. But he's playing the game at an incredibly high level. We had this discussion on the radio show yesterday. Like, in this moment, right now, with how he's played every week this season, maybe the Colts game is a slight exception. Like, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes over everybody. I'm taking Mahomes over the field eight days a week. After that, we're, we're going to have a little, like, whoever you're saying – other than Lamar Jackson, we're going to have a little discussion about that. We're going to debate. I agree. Because I'm not sure he isn't the second best. I agree. Right here's here's the other thing. Uh, Jason Locke on four. Carl Dukes with you guys here on In the Huddle. Brian Baldinger will be with us on Thursdays. We'll preview what's coming up this week. But uh, here's the other thing. The defense is balling out. They lead the league in sacks. 29 sacks. And I just saw something where – the Ravens now, with what they've done, have a 60% or 65% chance of winning this division over the Steelers, over the, the, the Bengals, you know, and you're going, man, I, I wouldn't have thought at this point in the season. Now, we've got a lot of season left, but they've set themselves yeah. up for success. They really have. And I just think that defensive part of it, we can't dismiss that. They're getting after the quarterback, turning people over, and getting the ball back for Lamar. Well, November 1st is a big date for the Baltimore Ravens. That's the anniversary of the Roquan Smith trade. And since they acquired Roquan Smith last year, they're number one in offensive touchdowns allowed since week nine of last year. They're number one red zone defense since week, week nine of last year. Um, they're top five uh, in pretty much every category. Third down and fourth quarter is where things have gotten a little iffy. But you look at them in sacks. You look at them in pressure rate. Um, you look at a poser quarterback rating, like, you know, they're up there and everything. Takeaways, they haven't been a huge takeaway defense. Um, but right now, Geno Stone's leading the NFL with four interceptions. So, yeah, the, the, the defense is very legit. Their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, 
I, I don't know if there's eight coaching jobs that open, you know, and six and a half is the average. It's around there. I think at least half those teams would want to get an audience with Mike McDonald. Maybe it takes him a cycle or two to get a head coaching job. Maybe he gets one this year. Either way, uh, yeah, this defense since the middle of last season has been off the charts good. Let's talk about uh, what happened with the Bills because I'm not sure what happened with the Bills. They lose 29-25 to a, a, a terrible Patriots team. This has not changed my opinion about the Patriots because they were able to win this weekend. We find out over the weekend, I guess, that Belichick signed an extension, which a lot of people were not aware of. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. It means nothing. Um, and and yeah. I say that with, with all due respect because here's the deal, guys. If you think for a second that they continue to lose and this becomes an embarrassment for Robert Kraft, he still can cut the check and do whatever he wants with Belichick. That that means nothing. But everybody assumes he's going to be around and you know have a chance to break the record, uh, beating Don Shula as the Patriots coach. But the Bills, this this up and down thing that we're seeing, like so good against the Dolphins, so bad yeah. against New England. And I, I told you this, Jason. I saw this uh, soundbite from Sean McDermott, uh, or not McDermott, but the OC um, there with the Bills talking about Sean McDermott, the head coach, and he was asked about how often does he, you know, get involved with the game planning. And you got the sense that they're not, there's not a lot of communication that's yeah. going on there. I, I don't understand what's going on with the Bills uh, right now. I just don't. And, and this is the deal. I'm starting to believe, all right, did their window close already? Because the last few years we've been picking them to get over the hump, get over the top. They haven't done it. I don't know what happened Sunday. Yeah, we'll start with the Bills. Um, yeah, something's clearly awry there uh, and a miss. And there there does seem to be a disconnect of sorts between Ken Dorsey, the OC, and Sean McDermott. McDermott then started talking a lot this week about, you know, maybe having to get more hands-on with everything. And sort of my, what, what was being implied to me, like reading between the lines, was like, you know, yeah, I might have to babysit that a little more. And yeah, you know, our quarterback might might you know we might have to run him a little bit more. We might have to more more design runs for him. He's our best player, and he's doing a little too much at times in the passing game. But maybe we're you know we need to get back to basics with the running game and make him a little bit more of a focal point. Uh, they're they're in a, a real offensive rut here, um, and defensively we know. I mean, you take Milano out of there, you take Ed Oliver out of there. Von Miller has not given them much of anything since he's come back. You know, they're down. Shadavius White, their best corner. Like the offense was going to have to get back to being that thing where hey, they're good for twenty four on the road at least, right? And they're good for thirty at home because that's sort of who they've been during most of the Josh Allen era since you know he kind of put it all together in his third season. And they're not that right now. Um, I was kind of thinking this also might be a good time for them to go and start leaning into 12 personnel and get their veteran tight end and their rookie tight end on the field together. Now, now the, now the veteran tight ends hurt. So, you know, they, they don't have, they're, they're out there on the street probably looking for a tight end right now, instead of, you know, having two who are fully vested in their offense take a bigger yep. role. I, I don't, you know, it, it's hard not to have concerns about them right now. Um, but then I look at the rest of that division, Carl, and I know they just lost to the Patriots, but come on. 
Patriots aren't going to go around scoring 29 points a game. If the Patriots yeah. had won that game 17-10, I might think a little bit more about, you know, maybe the Patriots have figured some things out with Judon being gone about three weeks, right, and they've turned the quarter defensively. But when they needed defensive stops late, they couldn't get them. They're just yeah. lucky that the Bills folded one more time than they did at the end. You know, in the fourth quarter, it seemed like nobody wanted to win this game. Um, and I don't think they're going to be scoring 29 points all that often with Mac Jones. So, so I, you know, the Jets, like, boy, it, again, the Jets got to win games in the teens. That's really hard to do against good teams because they're bereft of anything offensively that worries you right now. Um, I mean, we treat Zach, you know, we treat Zach Wilson completing, you know, a five-yard check down on third and four, you know, <laughs> like it's Joe Montana pointing out John Candy in the stands at the Super Bowl, you know, like, oh, my God, you see what Zach Wilson did? Come on. And and so who's winning the division if not, you know, and then Miami, we just said, like, Miami has already been punched in the face within their division, right? They struggled to beat the, the Patriots on the road. Now we'll see what they do with the Patriots this week. They already have a loss to the Bills. So I'm not ready to write the Bills off, but I also don't know that this is a real quick fix. You know, I don't know that they flip a switch and, and get this back going again. Uh yeah, I, I mean, part of me is like they've got to find a way to, to be more consistent with how they run the ball, and that probably does involve more Josh Allen, um, you know, having to take some hits and, and matriculate the ball downfield. You know, the, the Bill Belichick thing, look, if Bill Belichick in his heart doesn't really want to be there anymore and Robert Kraft looks at Bill Belichick's body of work since Tom Brady left and said, we've got the same record as the Raiders, which is – what they have right now, and that's we're talking since 2020. I've got the same record as the Raiders. Then yeah, it's time for you to probably go. What the you know whatever we did last summer, however real that is, what's the difference? You know what I mean? It's a mutual parting of the ways, and you're going to go get 11, 12 million dollars, 15, whatever, somewhere to else, go somewhere, right. right? And I'm gonna like, hey Bill, guess what? We're in a rebuild. Your quarterback you picked sucks. You don't have any playmakers <laughs> on defense. We don't have a skill position player on this roster who anybody else would really want. Certainly not at the price point they're at, right? Hunter Henry, $10 million. You know, Gasecki finally scores a touchdown. Like, so what are we doing here? You know, I, I've got to go younger. I've got to go cheaper. I've got to go yep. different. I've got to go three-year plan, and you're 72 years old. So if he wants out and they want out, guess what? The, the, the contracts don't matter. It um, doesn't. And I still think that's where this is probably headed. You know, that's a nice win for them, uh, but I, I I, don't think they've shed their skin or, or changed, you know, the complexion of that team, which is a team that is short on twitch, it's short on, short on acceleration, it's short on speed, um, it's short on playmakers, and I think their, their big moments are going to be few and far between. Um, they might beat you know, one or two more good teams down the stretch. But I, I, I don't see a scenario where Robert Kraft doesn't have to think long and hard about the future course of his organization when we get to January. Yeah, Josh Allen, guys, threw, he threw the ball 41 times um, for 265. But here's the deal. The Bills struggled on third down in this game, and then they, they scored touchdowns on only two of their four red zone opportunities. So, Jason, it gets back to what you were saying about being able to put points on the board and that dynamic offense and, and maybe 
You know, I've always felt like Josh Allen feels like there are times, and you sense it, where he feels like he has to do more, where he's over-exaggerating the situation. I'm going to run. I'm going to dive for the first down. I'm going to put my body in harm's way. And then, you know, you, you, you put yourself out there. And I don't know if he felt that, you know, this particular Sunday, but there have been a lot of Sundays where you feel that from Josh. And we're going to see what the Bills do, man. I, I, they got to figure it out. Um, this is one. Thursday night, they host Tampa. Thursday night, they host yeah. Tampa. Like, come back I, I totally agree with you. And Tampa's coming off that loss, you know, that field goal loss against the Falcons. So Tampa they're kind can of play some defense. Off. You know, Tampa, yes, they can. I mean, I don't like Baker Mayfield for one second, but I think Tampa with Todd Bowles, who used to be in that division. Um, yep. You know, I think they can play a little defense. And the weather, I checked the weather for that game, and I kept hitting, like, refresh because I'm like, is this, like, you know, Buffalo, like, Italy? Am I on, like, am I on, like, Buffalo? Is there a Buffalo in the Mediterranean somewhere? I'm like, 70 degrees at night? In around Halloween, but that's that it, it's supposed it's it's warm up there all week and it's supposed to still be you know high 60s around 70 that evening. So uh I don't think, think the Bucks are gonna be dealing with any elements. Let's uh let's talk about uh, the, the the chargers because as you as you guys know, if you watch oh, us boy. every week, all right, I am critical of Brandon Staley. I do not think that he is a great head coach, and yep. I think he's gonna ultimately lose his job before the season's over. He, here's my issue. They take on the Chiefs. There's one guy I cannot let beat me. Okay. That guy is Travis Kelsey. So Derwin James is the safety for the the Chargers. And he came out after the game and was critical of the game plan defensively against the Chiefs. So Mahomes throws for 424 and four touchdowns, and Kelsey has a huge day. How do you not double-team Travis Kelsey? How do you not bracket him? How do you not put better players on him to defend him and at least make it more difficult? I thought the game plan was complete crap, and I'm putting Brandon Staley out there again Jason, this is on him. This Chargers team loses 31-17. He should have been fired after the playoff game last year. And it's it's that's not without precedent. We've seen that happen before with teams that barely get in the playoffs or you know get in and get embarrassed. It it happens. Um when you're trying to win a Super Bowl and you're being critical about where you really are as an organization and you're self-scouting. And you're looking at the fact that we're going to have to pay this quarterback $50 million a year. You know, he's a Porsche. He's a Ferrari. A Ferrari, what is our head coach? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, I drive a Nissan Rogue. I really like my Nissan Rogue. Whatever you <laughs> may think in the pantheon of cars, this guy ain't a Nissan Rogue. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't like, I, and I don't want to disparage anything. Else. Like, I'm not a big car guy. Like, I think this car is really, like, Brand Staley's not a Nissan Rogue. Like, I, I mean, I don't know what he is, you know. I've been watching Better Call Saul because I'm the kind of guy who watches things like five years after the fact. He drives some sort of car that says a steam. I don't know who makes it a steam. <laughs> it's really beat up. It makes me wonder if it's compensating because you don't have enough self-esteem. I think that's Brandon Staley. Uh, he's the car that Saul Goodman rides in the Better Call Saul and the Break. Great Call. show, and by the way. Great show. Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I yeah I'm hooked. So he's 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 not good at this job. He's not cut out for this. They made a mistake. He showed himself to you several times, Spanos family, and you refuse to believe him. That's fine. That's going to be the detriment of your team. 
And, and yeah, this is a cheat. Look, this is the Chiefs offense that was by no means firing on all cylinders. We just saw them face the Broncos at home in a short week. Broncos defense broken across the board. I mean, that's the team that gave up the 70 points and 726 yards to Miami. And they couldn't score a touchdown. And they're playing pitch and catch to Kelsey like he's off the practice squad and nobody knows who he is. Yep. Like yep. he's a division two quarterback or something. Like I'm like, what? What, what's going on here? Um, no, it was embarrassing. And they came into that game allowing 290 passing yards a game, worse than the NFL. 392 total yards a game, worse than the NFL. And I'll rerun those numbers. They're, they obviously got worse because the Chiefs emasculated them. Um, the defense is horrible. The quarterback uh, is good for like one – virtuoso performance a month, I feel like, and one good game, and then a couple that are just meh, you know, that are just kind of like, eh, he played, you know, they lost. Defense couldn't stop anybody. Like, Austin Eckler's come back. He doesn't still look healthy. He's in and out. I feel like that's, that, that they're kind of caught in betwixt and in between. I didn't like the Kellen Moore hire in the first place. I'm not a Kellen Moore guy. Um, I thought Kellen Moore at that stage of his career, desperate to remain relevant on the fringes of head coaching consideration, was the, the absolute worst call. They needed somebody a little, you know, more. They, you know, they they needed a guy like Todd Munkin, who doesn't That's care right. if his name's in the media, who doesn't care if you're writing about him, who doesn't care if he's on every talking heads list of the five hottest coordinators. Like, like who doesn't care if his agent's out there working people on the phone. Tell him what a great job he's doing. You know what I mean? Sending out all the links and clips to all the articles being written about how great Kellen <laughs> Moore is. That's like they needed the antithesis of that, that. They got the poster boy for it. Good luck with that. So, yeah, they stink. Um, they don't manage close to late situations well at the end of halves or games. Um, and he came out and said, I'm still calling the defense, which is fine. Now I got mul- I got even I got multiple reasons to fire you. I got I can fire you because you're a terrible defensive coordinator, at least for this team, and I can fire you because you're a terrible head coach. Um yeah, and they can't blame injuries anymore. You know what I mean? Like, oh my god, no. they've got four starters out this week. Oh, oh my god, they've got three starters and two prime backups. Like it's almost like you'd walk into their building for a production meeting, and the first thing they'd hand that crew is all the guys. You see all the guys we have on injured reserve? You see how many guys aren't going to play? You see how many guys are on a pitch count this week? Like, we, you know, we built it a different way. Like, oh, football gods hate us. Like, stop it. Go win a game. It's a mess. Go win a game that matters. Like, It's a mess. Well, well, speaking of games that matter, what about the Raiders? What about the Raiders? Well, oh, boy. That game mattered to them, brother. Let me tell you. That, well, <laughs> that game mattered to Josh McDaniels. And that game mattered to Dave Ziegler. Um, the rest of them, man, it mattered to Max Crosby. Uh, you know, eh, some other guys, I guess. Bad loss. It Bad is. Loss. What about, uh, how, how do you not start the O'Connell kid? That's my question. I don't, how do you well, not start, not start him? How's he not in at halftime? I agree. And if you don't start him, he's got to be in at halftime. You've got no spark, you know, four, you're down 14-3. It feels like you're down 41-3. to Uh you know, it's clear that your game plan of riding Josh Jacobs 40 times 
is out the window because you're down multiple scores early, um, and they're not going to let you run the ball. And they don't think you can push the ball downfield to anybody. And you know what? They're right. Um, yeah, that's – they had had moments this year where I felt like they – not that they turned the corner, but like, well, you know what? Maybe they'll be um, – a reasonable NFL franchise and it looks like they can beat some of the teams that they're, you know, supposed to be, or, you know, point spreads that are, you know, between three points and a pick them. Like they're winning some of those games. You know, they found a way to beat the Patriots. Like it probably should have beat the Steelers probably, but you know, yeah. game management and Jimmy G got the and best they of them block, there. And they and, yeah. And they they turned block, it over uh, still too much. Yep. And they couldn't block, uh, you know, uh, what, yeah, they couldn't block him. Yeah. Um, you know, but we've seen Max Crosby take games over. So, like, I, I was kind of like, you know what, maybe they mess around and at least they're like nine and eight or eight and nine. But then you go out there and you you, you do that against um, that version of the Bears, which is without any of their top running backs and without Justin Fields. And the it's game feels like it's over at halftime. Yeah, it's 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 pretty brutal. Um and now, like, I don't know what they're going to do at the deadline. And people I've talked to at the league, around the league, don't really think they're inclined to trade Devontae Adams. Uh, and we'll see how much he kind of rattles change this week. And he has every right to because that is a bad team and he's not getting any younger. And this is not what he signed on for when he thought, you know, he was going there to play with Carr and Waller, right? And, and, and they were going to add guys. That's not who they are. But, like, if they do, if, if they do trade him, like they should probably go ahead and trade Max Crosby too. Like, oh, I agree. I mean, Start we've seen over. them trade Khalil Mack once, but yeah. like what would you could get for Max Crosby right now? It's a reasonable contract. You know, he's not 32 or 33 or anything like that. Um, with his engine, like if you trade one, if 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 Adams kind of gets to a point where you're like, I think we got to trade him or it's gonna be really ugly here in the second half, you should go ahead and trade Crosby too. You know, and that should come from the owner. And whoever the next guys are, because I don't think he's going to stick with this group. No. They should have a load of debt, you know, in terms of draft capital and everything else. And they can't draft worse than Gruden and Mayock did, right? Like, I feel like it's impossible to blow all those picks again like those guys did. Um, yeah. Forget how bad they were, Carl. Yeah, it's you go back and look at some of those lists, and I mean it's 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 as star crossed as it gets. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know, but that yeah, that's a rock bottom type loss, and that's one I think that will haunt them for a while. And now they go Monday night right before the deadline to the belly of the beast, the Detroit Lions. After what happened to them, you think Dan Campbell's team will will not be ready to play two weeks in a row? Like I don't no. think that. When's the last time the Lions hosted a Monday Night Football game? I don't it's know been if my forever. Were born. It's got to be a long yeah. time. It's been forever. It's they, be, they had they, they had Barry Sanders. Got to be a long time. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe been forever. Maybe I do know this. Our youngest Mateo was born on a Monday, and it was a Monday evening. And like after everything had settled down, like Lauren was asleep and he's on the chest, on her chest. And there was a Monday Night game that we had on in the you know in the little. Not sweet, but you know, when you got the pull out couch and stuff, yeah. like recovery yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever, where mom stays for you know a day yeah, or two post, post after the baby's yeah. born. 
And the Lions were definitely playing on Monday Night Football, and Stafford was having a game. You know, and this is now 12 years ago. And that may have been – I have to go and look. That They may have been at home. Like, for some reason, I feel like they may have been at home. But that would be the la- – like, that would be the earliest. And you're right. It might be more like back in the late 90s when I was covering the Detroit Red Wings, you know, and, and Charlie Batch was the quarterback. And, yeah, you know, Barry was still there. And, yeah. Um, Long time. You know, Robert Long time. Porsche. And I, I don't know. It's been a minute. And I know Detroit, and they're going to be ready. Like, whatever happened last week happened in Baltimore. But they're going to be ready in the D for this game. And I think the Raiders are walking into an absolute hornet's nest. So they might get destroyed. And then, you know, whatever, 12 hours later is the trade deadline. We'll see. Um, but th- that, that to me, is the kind of loss that can mar you. Like, whatever gains you thought you were making – Whatever you thought you could sell to that owner, that script probably goes out the window on the flight home from Chicago where you just lost to a Division II quarterback, and it wasn't even close. Last thing, guys, uh, it is time for us to start saying and putting some respect on his name. Kirk Cousins is pretty damn good. And that win last night, some of the throws he made last night, is another reason to say, I, I know he struggled in these big games, but damn, the guy is really good. And the Vikings outlast 49ers 22-17. We know the injuries, but listen, Purdy threw two interceptions last night in the fourth quarter. They were critical. Yeah. Meanwhile, Cousins they were very is taking on a – for me. He takes on a full blitz. Throws that thing down there. He lets his receiver go after it. I mean, I just – it's time, man. It's time we got to start saying, hey, Kirk Cousins can play, okay? If you hadn't believed or you hadn't thought about it, every year this guy puts up top numbers. And I mentioned this last year, and I know last year is last year, but go look at the numbers this year. Last year, Kirk Cousins, all right, threw for more yards. And this is the part, Jason, where everybody goes, well, he's not that good. Well, why is it every Compiler. year we're talking about yeah. – yes. 45-47 last year, more than Burrow and Hurts and Aaron Rodgers when he was in Green Bay, his more yards per game than Hurts and Rodgers and Dak. I mean, this guy, every year, it's like, okay, he's pretty damn good. Um, So what did they allow last night? 18 points? 17. I think it was. Yeah, 22-17. Okay. All right, so that's... 13. Okay. So in their last four games, the Minnesota Vikings have allowed 63 points. There's a lot of people, me included, who came into the season thinking that defense was horrible last year. It's going to be bad. It took them two or three weeks under Brian Flores where it was horrible. Part of the reason I love the under last night, part of the reason I love Vikings plus three and a half first half, and I didn't love but like Vikings plus seven, and part of the reason I did have one bet that sprinkled Vikings on the money line was that you're right. Kirk Cousins is really good, but quietly without anybody noticing, this defense is no longer an abject failure. Good they call. came into that game in their last three weeks, right, with 12 sacks in those three games. That's fourth in the NFL. We know they put heat on Cousins, uh, heat on Purdy late when they had to in that game. So, so yeah, Carl, they came in in their last three games prior to that one, allowing a quarterback rating of 89.1 and just 6.5 yards per attempt. Um, and they face Chicago, Kansas City, and Carolina. So, look, if 
you want to beat down Kansas City and say, well, they weren't playing that good. That's fine. You still do have Mahomes and Andy Reid in there. And then now you've got Kyle Shanahan. I don't know. They had some injuries, but it's Shanahan. And it's a team that's averaging 30 points a game. And McCaffrey, McCaffrey every snap. That's right. Right? And so now it's 63 points allowed in the last four games. Right? So we're talking a smidge over 15 a game. Like, I think they figured out what Brian Flores is asking them to do. Did he get caught in one cover zero blitz that he would want back? Yes. That McCaffrey turned into a screen that almost killed my under? Yeah, he would. He would. He can't give up the touchdown there in under a minute. Um, but I feel like they – and I don't know. If they trade Daniel Hunter by next Tuesday, then that's a different scenario. But they look to me like a team that was turning the quarter quietly defensively without anybody talking about it. Um, and we're kind of too quick to do that at times, I think. You know, something happens the first two or three weeks of the season. We label them as something. It gets in our subconscious. And then you still keep looking at the growth season numbers. And because the first couple of weeks were that awful, it, it still looks bad. But, like, like, it's not bad. And and with Cam Akers, they're running the ball a little bit better. Now, they still don't have a rushing touchdown, and that's going to have to change at some point. And Cousins ain't going to get you that. But, yeah, like – you know, Jefferson's going to come back. Addison's real. Uh, Hawkinson, like, he, he's the, uh, uh, an incredible chain-moving tight end. They've got a real home field advantage. And it's the NFC. So now they're three and four. Like, they lost. They won all those close games. Then they lost a bunch of close games. And I think now we're kind of back, like, to the norm where it could go either way. Cousins' interception rates higher than it's been since the start of last year to now than in any other time in his career. But I think they're also asking so much of him. Now we can't run the ball either. There's no Dalvin Cook anymore. Cook. Right? A lot, yeah. a lot is on his shoulders. So there's going to be some interceptions because he's being asked to make a lot of tight window throws from the first quarter through the fourth quarter. When they were in a four-minute drill yet last night, count how many times they passed the ball. They were still throwing more than running because that is their run. Like, that's how they were sustaining the drive. Like, everybody knew. Cousins has got to complete these high-percentage passes and some low-percentage passes where he dances around a little bit to find some body open because we're not going to be able to run it four times for 10 yards. We probably can't do that. We're not built that way. I think the Vikings are, are alive for a playoff spot. As soon as we get done here, I'm going to look at some of their futures. They're not going to win that division because of Detroit. but. If they don't blow it up at the deadline, it's an interesting team to me. And I think the defense is going to keep getting better. Um, and I think Kirk Cousins is going to be back there next year. I think Kirk well, Cousins that, is going that's to be the back next thing. Back. He's going to be making I, about – if Jared Goff gets 45 or 46, then he's going to be making 48, right? Yep. Like, it's, I think yep. he's going to be back there. Go look this at the is what's crazy. free agent quarterback market. There is none. Well, and they're going to I, I win too many saying... games to get a quarterback. Well, that's true, too, in the draft. even Yeah, I, I kept saying this is going to be his last year because they need to turn the page and go get their future franchise quarterback and continue to build. I don't think it's going to happen now. He's going to mean, like, that up. He's gonna, he, he, he is. He is. <laughs> he's going to be good for nine wins or eight or whatever. It's going to be too many to get. right. So then it's like, are we yeah. going to mortgage three drafts to try to get the fourth best? Nobody's trading the first overall pick, right? Nobody's probably trading the second overall pick. So, like, are we going to mortgage our future to get the three or four or five to get the third or fourth best quarterback? No. You know? Or are no. we going to take Kellen Mond 2.0 in the second or third round? Well, what, boy, he really scared Cousins off. 
You know what I mean? Like what? And I know that was the, I guess the prior regime, but like, or are we just going to get this guy, you know, and, and keep, keep drafting playing. well around him. And yep. it is the NFC. It's not like we're up against the AFC. Like, yeah, he's going to get paid again. I think so too, Jace. I, I really do. Hey man, uh, great job as always guys like us, subscribe in the huddle, follow us on YouTube at in the huddle pod. And uh, we'll be talking with Baldy on Thursday about the upcoming games this weekend. Jason and I breaking down all the stuff that went down this week. Crazy. It just, this is week to week is craziness in the NFL. And we see it all the time. Can't wait to see what happens this weekend. Jason, great job. Follow him guys. Read his stuff in the Washington post as well. And we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Jason, take care. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company. 